My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Now, I want to start today with a confession, and this is my confession. I'm a hypocrite. Now, that's okay, because I'm pretty sure you are too. Dan, you are. I know you. Ange, Angela's here, one of the biggest hypocrites in here. Kelly, yeah, good. Good to see you. You know, we all, we all say things and don't live up to it, right? Or, or, or we say things and we kind of hide because we don't want people to know the real us, and we kind of we give ourselves grace. How many of you are really good, even online, think about this, how many of you are really good at giving yourself grace and yet other people, not so much? Anybody? Oh, now you're all hypocrites because you're lying, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, here's the deal. I, if you're not accustomed to church, maybe church is a new thing for you. You're watching and church isn't, uh, you know, your, your thing. This is a good day to watch. It's a good day to participate because you're going to hear some things about the reality of, of what goes on behind the life of a follower of Jesus when we wrestle with this issue of what does it mean to truly give everything over to Jesus. See, I grew up with a really strong sense of right and wrong. In other words, I was right and you were wrong. Um, there was something in me, a justice side, I still wrestle with it today, where um, I was good at giving myself grace and mercy uh, because I was basically a good person who did bad things. You, not so much. See, you, you were basically a bad person who did some good stuff, but you deserved not the grace and mercy, you deserved the justice of God. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know how that, I mean, some of you are like that, you know, it's kind of natural. We all have this system of right and wrong. And for me, I was right, and, you know, other people were wrong. I don't know why it was. I just kind of grew up as a, a righteous person, even though I wasn't a follower of Christ. You know, I was good at extending myself grace, but not you. I, I probably wouldn't, you know, maybe I was nice and I'd extend you grace. You would not have wanted me to be king of your castle. I would not have been very nice, you know. I know I'm not the only sick and twisted person in the room, because I think we all struggle with what is going on on the deep, deep parts inside of us and what we present on the outside of us. We know there's a disconnect between that. We know that even if we think it deep inside, we don't match up. We know there's a brokenness inside. We know there's a part of us that doesn't quite make it. But yeah, we have to kind of pretend. We have to kind of put on a presentation of ourselves so that we at least feel good about ourselves, right? And hopefully other people feel good about us. That's called being a hypocrite because we're lying. Being a hypocrite isn't that you fail because we all fail, but it's pretending. And I think we all at some point in our lives are pretenders. I was really good at making excuses for my problems, 
but not wanting to extend that same kind of mercy to you. Now, again, I warned you I'm messed up, but this is a church filled with messed up people, right? Because Jesus loves messed up people. See, I was hiding. I was building a smoke screen where uh, I was matching up, but I knew in my heart I wasn't. Now, we all have a sense of right and wrong. I call it a true north, and we all have this system of justice and things like that. And it's easy to hide behind that, and it's easy to pretend that everything is okay when it's not okay. Um, Now, I wasn't a follower of Jesus during this season of my life. And then at 15, I became a follower of Jesus. And then really the wrestling began because now I added righteousness to my righteousness. I added churchianity to my my stuff, right? And so now I could really be a full-blown hypocrite. I went to my first church, was my grandparents' church, Wesleyan Church. Uh, asked my mom here, list of rules, you know, and if you didn't obey the rules, you could come to the altar and get resaved. Then uh, later on in California, we ended up at Assembly of God Church. You know, again, list of rules, but if you didn't match the rules, you'd go up to the altar and get saved. And then I ended up at a Baptist church, and they didn't have an altar, okay, but they still had a list of rules. I love religious people are really good at rules, right? Church people are really good at making rules. Because we feel good, we feel safe if we make a list of rules and if we can just obey those rules. I remember once I was a resident assistant in my dorm at college, as a Christian college, and uh, the, you know the Christian music was you know kind of is it good or is it bad kind of thing back in the eighties. And one kid came to me, one student, and goes, "Could you just make a list of all the stuff I can listen to and all that I can't?" And I'm like, "God forbid that I would be the judge over that, right?" That's what God's Holy Spirit is supposed to be doing us, but a lot of people want to do that. They want to tell you how to dress, they want to tell you how to act, they want to tell you what to do, and if you follow their list of rules, then you're going to be in the group. That's called hypocrisy, because here's the little-known truth about that, is they don't even match up, because none of us match up. That's the reality. We all fall, we all fail, we all struggle. And if we create this religious coding around us, or, or, or non-religious, just self-righteous coding, if we don't even go to church, all of us can do it, we can pretend and we can feel safe in this cocoon of self-righteousness, self-glorified truth, when the reality is we don't possess it. We don't possess it. Now, my wife and I, in parenting our kids, our, our three boys, we want right behavior, right? I mean, who doesn't, right? I see kids back there clapping, and I, I love it. I love it. You want, you want, you know, Corey, you want your kids to behave right, you know? And then you want, we all want that, right? Um, but why don't we focus on the heart first? See, that's what God does. Behavior is good. Great. I spent so many years trying to modify my behavior to match up to other people's expectations and then God's expectations when I came to him. And I forgot it was about shepherding the heart. God wanted to shepherd my heart. That's what my wife and I want to do with our boys is to shepherd their heart. So then out of that heart flows this life, this life that loves God and loves others. And then, then there are some behaviors, right? But if all we do is modify our behavior, we don't have Jesus. We have religion. Now, I ran into this, I mean, you know, just smack dab. One time I was preaching, and I was going through some verses, and what had happened was I'd been reading through the Bible. Like I said, my mom got me reading through the Bible in the mid-'80s every year, and, and so I was in the Bible, and I was reading, and I came across this, this 
well, this was weird, man. This was like, I don't know what to do with this verse. In fact, here, it's on the screen. John chapter 1, verse 14. In the prologue, in the beginning of John's gospel, Pastor Taylor started it last week. He'll pick up next week. It says, we have seen his glory. Speaking about Jesus, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Full of grace and truth. And then just a couple verses down in verse 17, it said this. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now that just stuck out to me that day when I was reading that many years ago. And I remember I was actually, it's kind of weird. I, was, uh, I had been leading worship back in the day when they allowed me to do that, playing guitar, leading worship. And um, this gal walked in. Uh, her name is Vicky, and Vicky, if you're watching, I love you. And um, still comes to sunrise, and uh, just a vivacious grandma, uh, bright white top, yellow skirt, blonde, kind of like a Dolly Parton, you know. You just gotta love her, you know. And um, and so she came in, and the the room was packed, and and she came in, and she sat in the front, like right here in the front. And I was leading worship, and, and, and I didn't know her at the time. And as I was playing along, my mind's kind of cycling. Okay, who is this gal? I don't know her. She's come, and she's you know, kind of made her way to the front there. She's got this joy on her face. And, and then at, from the transition to that to the time I get up to preach, I was preaching about marriage and the family. And, man, I had truth. It was the best sermon. Jesus couldn't have written that sermon. It was so good. You know what I mean? I had all the facts down. And it dawned on me I knew who she was because... You know, there had been an incident with her husband in the paper and all kinds of chaos. And, and I'm thinking, oh, who cares what I have to say if she doesn't hear it in love? Because Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I was, all I was full of was, well, maybe truth, okay, or something else, right? I was just full of myself. And I thought, what good am I to her? And God just penetrated my heart. I've only had a couple of those epiphanies where just God just speaks. It was one of those. Grace and truth. What would it be like to be full of grace and truth? Because Jesus, my friends, was full of grace and truth. Now, I think the reality, and I've, I've, I've shared this before. It's one of my key messages, the idea of at our core, we're either a grace person or a truth person. Some of us are over here, and we're full of grace, and we just exhibit grace. We're, we're huggers, you know, we're lovers, and we just accept, and we're, we're full of grace, and we're just so merciful, which is awesome. And others of us over here, and I tend to fall on this side, I already revealed that to you, are full of truth. And we know the truth, we acknowledge the truth, we proclaim the truth, and in our heart there's this, you know, system of right and wrong, and, you know, and maybe in some way we're kind of always putting people in categories, okay? So we all, we fall on one side or the other. So let me, let me just take a poll. How many of you are grace people? You're, you're, you're just definitely full of grace. Okay, awesome. Some of you. You could be bold. It's a good thing. All right, okay. How many of you are full of truth? Okay. All right, okay. Or some of you just fool yourself, right? I'm not really sure, right? Okay, so grace or truth, I think we fall on one side or the other. Now, I think what happens is we either grow up in a grace household and therefore become full of grace, or we grow up in a truth household and we are full of truth. And so our, our household, our family of origin can really, you know, lay out a lot of that. But somehow Jesus was a full measure of grace and truth. He was both combined. God in the flesh came down. As Taylor said last week, he moved into our neighborhood. He took on our humanity, and he was full of grace and truth. Now, again, I've already said, I I definitely grew up as a truth person, and uh, I grew up around people who believed the church was for righteous, religious, saved people, and really that's what you became. And you acted that way. And it's easy, my friends, to build a church 
full of truth with a capital T. I guarantee it is easy. A lot of churches are like that. But it's all about the rules. It's all about the outward appearance. It's all about obeying, checking the boxes, getting everything right. And, and I, I just gravitated toward that. I mean, I can tell from experience, though, that people in that church struggle with their brokenness and sinfulness. But you dare, don't dare reveal it because then you're on the out. And so this is a bold statement, but I'll speak from my experience. One day you have to come to the end of a road and it's a T and you decide to bail out of church because you know in your heart you don't match up or you take the other route and you decide to become a hypocrite and hide the reality of who you are. When the spotlight's on, do you run and hide because of truth or do you just pretend that everything's good? I think that churches that are designed for saved people, it's a bold statement, I understand, hear my history on this, are full of religious hypocrites because that's what it takes to stay because you don't dare expose your life to people or they will reject you. And my friends, all of us are broken. Even after we come to Jesus, we struggle and we're on this journey of becoming more like Jesus and God's spirit's living inside of us. But I'm telling you, it's still a struggle, right? It's, it's, it's what, you know, two steps forward, three steps back, Chuck Swindoll said, you know, it's, it's a journey up and down. On the other hand, uh, there are churches all over the spectrum that are so full of grace <clears throat> that they've fallen off the side of truth, right? There's no more truth. It's just, let's just accept everything. Let's just accept, you know, without any barriers, without any rules, without any restrictions, let's rewrite the Bible because we just want to love people because God's all about love. And we never hold people to truth. It's easy. It's popular. It's awesome to build a, just a church full of grace, because the world needs grace. But one day, we have to open the Bible. <laughs> and when we open the Bible, we discover there's truth. Somehow, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And I'll tell you what, as a pastor, and been the pastor here for these years, it's hard to maintain that balance. It's hard to slide back and forth at times and seasons with people, right? It's a tension. It's a tightrope we walk between grace and truth. But we must we must always do that. You know, we either fall off on the truth side and we end up becoming hypocrites or fall off the grace side and we become, you know, just people give a license to sin. Either we become a legalist, you know, or someone with a license. Now, Jesus was full of grace and truth. A couple years ago, I read this book by Randy Alcorn. It's great. Uh, Randy's a great guy. He's a local guy. And he wrote this book about this. And he said this, truth without grace crushes people and ceases to be truth. That's my background. On the other hand, grace without truth deceives people and ceases to be grace. Truth without grace degenerates into judgmental legalism. Grace without truth degenerates into deceitful tolerance. We who are truth-oriented, that's me, need to go out of our way to affirm grace. And we who are grace-oriented, that may be you, need to go out of our way to affirm truth. It's such a tightrope we walk. And I know you walk it. I know you either just naturally pendulum swing on truth or naturally pendulum swing on grace. And I understand that. I understand the tension. I have to find myself as a person in my core that's focused on truth. I have to stay a little bit more on this side of grace just so I can be balanced, right? Because there's a gravity that pulls me over here. And, and just left to myself, you, you know, you know, man, you wouldn't like me. So I have to go way over here. Maybe you're all grace and you have to come over to the uncomfortable part of truth of what the Bible says, right? 
But that's good because people need both. Jesus was full of both. And it's a tightrope we walk, even today as a church, right? I mean, if we've been paying attention to anything in our culture, everybody just wants an incredible tolerance of grace. And we are the intolerant truth people. Well, how do we wrestle with that? How do we be the light, the salt in a community that just wants complete grace, even in church, and no rules? And how do we not become so rule-oriented that we come up with this list that really none of us can survive in, and we just fake it and become hypocrites? How do we do that? That's a tough one. Jesus was full of grace and truth. There's this little, uh, I'm going to jump ahead because I just love this. I learned this uh, many years ago. There's this little Greek word. I want to teach you a word today. I'm going to actually teach you how to say it. And, uh, and you'll be wrong because there's like five ways to say it because we don't know. Uh, we just make it up and then appear righteous. Um, but um, I want to show you this Greek word. And it's found in this text of scripture, a couple chapters down. And it's uh, in John 3. Jesus had done this ministry. Uh, you know, there's the... Uh, we're going to see Nicodemus and all this in chapter 3, and we're going to get to John 4, where Jesus is with the Samaritan woman. But smack in the middle of that, it says this, after this, after talking to Nicodemus about the gospel, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Again, he just spent some time with them. He hung out with them. Here's, here's the word. Uh, it's diatribo or diatribo. And um, in fact, look at your neighbor right now and say diatribo or diatribo and argue over which one's right. No, just, it, it's just a little word. All it means is to rub through the skin. It means to be in such close proximity that you rub off on someone to pass time. And so here's a little exercise for you here in the room. Everybody needs to do it. I'm going to put my mic down and, and you could do it at home. And, and if you're alone, it might feel weird, but, but th- do this with me right now. And if you do it right, you make a little bit of noise, make a little bit of friction, right? That's what, that's the word, diatribo, diatribo. That's Jesus did that with people. Today we would say something like he rubbed shoulders with, right? Jesus hung out with. Jesus spent time with these people. Now, I love this. I love the fact that Jesus, who is absolute truth, Jesus, who is absolute grace, hung out with people and rubbed through the skin with all kinds of people. And if you've read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus, you know that the people he spent the most time with were not the upper echelon of the educated, right? They were not the highest religious people. They were the hurting, they were the broken, or as we say at sunrise, the least, the last, and the lost. Jesus came down to this planet, took on our flesh, and he hung out with the most unsavory of characters. And he intentionally chose to be full of grace and full of truth. He didn't spend time with the high and holy. He spent time with the least and the lowly. And a couple just thoughts here. I mean, who did he spend time with? Jesus rubbed through the skin with fishermen. That wasn't the highest profession. It was necessary. Fisherman was like that basic blue-collar job, right? And it was the kind of the, you know, lower end of the spectrum. That's fine. Uh, but Jesus, his disciples, his first disciples were fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They became the leaders of the church, right? Uh, He also spent time with religious people. Uh, You see Nicodemus in chapter 3. He goes and hangs out with a Pharisee, like the teacher of Israel, so a high Pharisee. 
And, and he, he wins his heart because later on, Nicodemus, we see, is a follower of Jesus. But most of the religious people didn't want to give Jesus the time of day because he didn't match up to what their expectation was. Spent time with the tax collector, Matthew. That was the lowest of the low, right? I mean, you're a traitor to your country. But Jesus invited Matthew to be one of his followers, one of his disciples. Spent time with the prostitute, right? You know, it, where, where he's at a dinner party and uh, religious people are throwing a party and Jesus is there and this, this, this woman comes in and she, she just, he just weeps over his feet, anoints him with this perfume and she's super unclean, like the worst of the worst in the culture, right? The religious people are just, they're just having a heart attack and Jesus, he loved her, he welcomed her in. Jesus spent time uh, with the Roman centurion. He, were, he was hated because he was the, the overlord. He was the, the, the harsh master over the, the slaves, the Jews, right? And he loved this guy, and he, and he ended up healing his servant, you know? Uh, you, you've got uh, the Samaritan woman in John 4 where Jesus sat down at this well and interacted with her. And because of that, her whole village came to know about Jesus. Samaritans were the hated people. That was the social ask out outcast was the racial outcast, right? You don't dare spend time with Samaritans. They were pure people. Spent time with a woman caught in adultery. And, he, and he, he didn't judge her, but he told her to sin no more. He welcomed her. Jesus spent time with a leper. Talk about unclean, because literally they're unclean. Physically they're unclean. And as a result of that, this leper is healed. He actually reached out and touched this leper. And you know, most of all, I think Jesus, Jesus would spend time with you. I don't know what your view of Jesus is. Maybe you're newer to church or you're watching online. But if Jesus were here today, he would want to hang out with you. And here's the weird thing. You'd want to hang out with him. Even though he's the holiest guy to walk the planet, you wouldn't be put off by that holiness unless, you know, you were trying to hide. But you would feel welcomed in his presence and loved in his presence. And that's what Jesus did as he walked the planet. What a beautiful picture of God's love for us. Jesus stepped into our lives to touch the worst part of us, the most shameful part of us, the part that we never wanted anybody to see, right? And he was full of grace and truth. Is that, is that what you're full of, full of grace and truth? In the middle of our sin, in the middle of our shame, in the middle of our brokenness, Jesus reaches in and touches it and brings hope and healing, not self-righteous judgment. He calls us to truth, but he responds in grace. A little thought, and then we'll close. There's this thing Jesus says a couple times in the stories. He says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That's kind of weird. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, there were two groups of people, kind of religious people at the time. The Pharisees, they were the legalists. They were the, the all-truth people, the self-righteous people. And uh, they were good at that. They, their name literally means to separate from sin. And, and, and it's one thing to separate from sin, and we're, we're called to separate from sin, the Bible says, but they would separate from anybody that didn't separate from sin. It's called secondary separation. It's, that's where their name came from. That was my church background, you know? And so Jesus never hung out with lost people, hurting broken people. He just didn't. He wasn't a friend of sinners, because they certainly weren't a friend of sinners. But the Pharisees were so good at creating rules and legalism. On the other hand, the Sadducees, they were different. They were the religious leaders of the temple, but they were so much giving a license to sin that what they did was simply this. They just lived however they wanted and took your religious money. 
And they profited off religion, but they themselves didn't live up to it because it was complete tolerance of anything. They were the ones who were just full of grace. And so Jesus came in and said, beware of the yeast. Yeast just means this idea, you know, you think about it as it hits the bread, you know, that flour, and it affects it, it permeates it. Jesus says, let's beware of the yeast of all legalism, which can so easily permeate our lives as church people, or this yeast, that this permeation that would come through us of grace, just allow anything, right? And not speak about truth. And Jesus was full of grace and truth. By the time that Jesus showed up, the Pharisees had fallen off the map on truth. Sadducees had fallen off the map on grace. And Jesus walked in and walked that tightrope of grace and truth. Now, I got to warn you, just like Jesus, you'll be judged. Because the truth people, you're way too much grace. Grace people, you're way too much truth. And, and you probably won't make anyone happy, okay? Uh, I doubt you'll be crucified, okay, maybe with words. <laughs> but Jesus walked that tightrope. He said, no, 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 don't live your life separating from anybody that's not perfect like you. Don't live your life assimilating into the culture so you look so much like the culture that no one knows you're different. But find a way to permeate your culture, your world with Jesus full of grace and truth. One of the dangers for me, and I'll share this in closing, of being a truth person is that you can be really good at assimilating information and lack the heart. I mean, you know, if you know about somebody and you study about somebody and yet you don't know them and you, you just kind of know everything about you, you're a stalker, right? And, you know, you're a stalker. And um, I remember years ago, many years ago, I had a gal in the church that I didn't know this, but, uh, you know, it was weird. She was stalking me, and she had pictures of me, and she inserted me in the pictures and put it me and her in the house in the pictures. It was kind of weird. I never saw them. People told me about them, and then stories and stuff like that. And, and I found out about it, and she even knew the layout of my house. It was really super creepy, you know what I mean? Um, Jesus doesn't need stalkers, my friend. Don't just study Jesus and study about him. Come to know him by experience. Fall in love with him. Paul said it, I want to know Christ. Draw so close to Christ. Don't just know about the Bible. Know the Bible. Experience the Bible. Don't just know about lost people that are out there. Know lost people. Don't just know, you know, the the issues of the world that we face right now and what's going on in our culture. Step across that line and get to know people that are different from you. And build friendships with them. It might stretch you if you're a truth person. Or it might stretch you if you're a grace person. The truth is this. Is that Jesus spent time with all kinds of people. And who do you spend time with? Because the truth is that Jesus loves us. Imagine, imagine what it would be like if we looked around this week and saw the world with the eyes of grace. And we saw people that were hurting and broken and far from God. And we loved them. And we welcomed them. And we accepted their brokenness and whatever that meant. Imagine what it would look like if we walked into the world this week and we saw through the truth in the eyes of Jesus that the world is broken and sinful and separated from God and that only through Jesus Christ can we be saved and rescued from this. We could be full of grace and full of truth. The truth is Jesus loves sinners. People are totally broken and hurtful. People are willing to admit it, right? And the truth is, 
His grace doesn't justify the sin. It forgives the sin and welcomes us into a new relationship. You and I need grace and truth today. And if you fall so much on the grace side, I want to pray for you that you make sure you don't walk away from truth. And if you fall so much on the truth side, I'll pray for you that you don't just hole up in all of your knowledge and become self-righteous, but you express grace. Because that's the gospel message, that we're all hurting and broken. That's truth. We're all sinful. We've all separated ourselves from God because of our actions and our rebellion. That's truth, and you need to accept that because that's how God sees it, and that's what God says. But the grace, you need that, which is that Jesus came down and paid the price, the penalty of your sin and brokenness, and he He offered all that on the cross and died for you. That's his grace poured out for you. And so I hope and pray that you would accept both the grace and truth of Jesus, and then you would end up being both the grace and truth of Jesus. Because that's what this world needs, the real Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for that, that grace and truth, that very difficult combination, that challenging perspective and pendulum swing toward the middle. And we fall on one side or the other, I know it. Maybe in our lives or in seasons, but may we always balance back in the middle, loving, hurting, broken, lost people in the name of Jesus and welcoming and embracing the messiness of life. Because that is Jesus in the flesh, and we are called to be that. I pray maybe today that someone would hear that in such a way that they need the truth. They need to know that God loves them, which is his grace, but that they're sinful and broken, which is the truth. And then God sent Jesus to die on the cross, which is his grace, to forgive us of our sins, which is the truth. Allow us to embrace Jesus today full of grace and truth and walk that way, we pray in your name.